Raise your hand if you have had teenagers or you currently have teenagers. Raise your hand if you are a teenager. In the back, I got, we're all teenagers at heart. Or will be a teenager. So I think that covers the gamut. Have been a teenager? How about that? So one of the things that comes with teenagers is a lot of laundry. Yes? Am I right? Yes. So, you know, I have this very busy job at Salesforce, and sometimes I come home and I'm very tired, and my son has the unfortunate position of having a room closest to mine, so I'm taking my laundry out daily, and I notice this growing pile in his room, and I'll grab some of it to add to mine. And a couple weeks ago, I had a really stressful day, and I came home, and I, I saw this big pile of laundry, and I snapped, and I called him in, and I said, why don't you ever do your laundry? And he looked at me, looked down at me, actually, he's taller than me, and he said, Mom, you keep doing it. So I let you. I was like, oh, not very smart. I think there's a reason Pastor Herman asked me to kick off the, the smart series for Patrick Lencioni. Uh, there's so many not smart things that I have done that I can share with you that hopefully you can learn from. Um, but that was one of them. And, you know, I thought of that, that line, you know, you keep doing it, so I let you. And I thought of my frustrated day and how many times we say to God, you know, why aren't you helping me and why aren't you fixing this? And I think sometimes God says to us, you keep doing it, so I let you. What are the things that we hang on to and try to control in our lives? That God will let us. He, he says that he will. In Romans, Paul writes of, of, of those far from God, he says, so God let them go their own way. They did what they wanted to do, and God let them. He will let us grab onto our life and control it. And you know what? He'll even make good of it. He will make it good. He will turn bad into good. But we will be missing out on a huge blessing that he has prepared for us. And there really is a decision that we have to make. We can either live over here and try to control our life and lead, or we can lean on Jesus. And those are very different lives. And as I look out at all of you, I, I am so grateful that you're here. I know this is, represents just a mix of perspectives, which is so cool about this church. I've, I've attended myself. We have very strong believers. We have people of different faiths. We have people that are exploring. And you are all welcome here today. And I hope that this message resonates with you. I want you to think right now about something that is stressing you out. For me, laundry, I have even bigger stresses than that. Um, something, you know, if you're stressed, you're probably hanging on tightly to that thing. You're probably trying to lead it and clutch it. Maybe it's somebody sick. Maybe you're having an argument with somebody at work. Maybe somebody in the family. Think about that thing for just a minute now. The thing that is stressing you out. And kind of hang on to that. So I'm going to share my story with you. I actually just became a Christian a couple years ago for the first time. So praise God. Let's give a clap to God for that. 
And the reason it took me so long is because I had a death grip on my life. I was not just hanging onto it, but I was clutching my whole life onto it. And I'll tell you why. Um, first, a picture of my family. I, I mentioned my, my wonderful teenagers here and my husband. My, my husband's one request was that we could live by the coast because he's a surfer. So I thought, okay, we'll, we'll stay in California. That's not too bad. But I actually grew up in Utah. Here's a picture of my hometown, Layton, Utah, in a minute here. With Mount, anybody heard of Layton, Utah? Or Utah in general? We got Utah. Do you know Layton? You seriously know Layton, Utah? That's actually... <gasps> Praise God! Oh, my people. I love it. It's an incredible, incredibly beautiful place to live. I mean, this was my drive going home from school every day in the winter. So really wonderful, um, but also very religious. So it's very, especially at the time, it was 95% Mormon, which is a um, denomination and, and very strict. And we were not that. We were sort of not religious. I kind of remember church and preschool or something, but we really were, did not go to church. So I was sort of the only one in my class often that was not Mormon, not religious. And I just felt like an outsider. I don't know that they made me feel that way, but I decided, I, I kind of blamed religion for making me feel like an outsider my whole life. But of course, we have to follow something. So I found out really early on that grades were something I got a lot of kudos for, a lot of approval for. Any grade chasers out there? <laughs> Straight A's. I mean, it feels really good, right? I got approval from teachers. There's a lot of nods over here. Um, and my mom especially, oh, I looked up to her so much, and she just gave me such praise. And that kind of became my God, actually. And I was really good at it, and I got straight A's and 100%. Here's a little snapshot of what an overachiever I was. In fifth grade, I, I made this independence hall, so I had 100%, okay? And my teacher handed out a list of extra credit assignments, 15 of them, for people to bring their grade up. I did every single one <laughs> for no reason whatsoever, including building Independence Hall, and he eventually called my parents and asked them to have me stop. <laughs> Incidentally, anyone want to see my 80s haircut here? I'm going to need more encouragement than that. Come on. Okay, you may show it. It's pretty good, right? It's like full-on 80s and the like kiss or something. Um, but anyway, this, was, this worked really well, actually, this like pursuit of grades. I you know, went straight from bachelor's to master's program. I was doing really well. And then something happened when I was 25. See, my mom, this woman I admired, went in for gallbladder surgery, which is outpatient, no big deal, right? But I got a call from my dad that day, and he said, they found cancer. And he said, but don't worry, you know, we're going to do some tests. Oh, we'll call you back in a few days and let you know what to do. So I thought, okay. And he called me back on a Tuesday night, very late, and he said, you need to get home. So I took the red eye home. I got into her hospital room at 6.30 in the morning. She was white as a sheet. She could barely talk. And I sat on her bed, and I held her hand for 16 hours. 
as she died. She died that night at 10.30 p.m. I'll never forget it. And everything changed for me. It's almost like, you know, I, I felt like all these years I'd been kind of charging ahead, almost like, like I'd been plowing my life. When you think of, um, what's that thing that cattle wear around their neck when they're plowing? Do you remember that? A yoke. So it's kind of, this is what a yoke looks like. And I think up until that point, I felt like I'd been plowing my life and I was plowing really hard and really fast and really good. Um, and, you know, I couldn't quite see ahead. It was almost like it was hilly. So I couldn't see where I was going. I didn't really know where I was going. I had to make a guess. Just go this way. Looks good. Getting some support that way. So I'd been doing that. And it's almost like when my mom died, I looked up for the first time and I noticed that I had come to the end of the field. It was almost like a cliff where I realized suddenly that this was not enough, that pursuing success was not enough. Um, if you can just die like that. So I felt purposeless, and I felt aimless, and I thought, oh my gosh, I've made a big mistake. And so I grabbed hold of my life, I, I stayed holding on to my life, and I did a pivot, and I turned this way. And I made a dramatic life change, and I quit, my, at the time, a PhD program, I broke up with a boyfriend of three years, and I got a job in tech. So I'm going a new way, and I'm plowing hard in that field. Met my husband, had three wonderful kids. I did this for 15 years. And you know what? It went really well. I mean, it was good. I had a good life, and I had friends, and, and, and a good job, and family. But then something else happened just a few years ago. And this one wasn't as dramatic. It was kind of more insidious. I started to feel frustrated. I started to think, well, is this all there is? A friend of mine who had just got promoted to VP came to me in a one-on-one, -on -one and he said, okay, so I just worked years of my life to get this promotion. Now what? Do I just do it again for the next promotion? And I thought, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing. Like, what are we doing? Where are we going? I realized I had simply like, gone in a new direction without any purpose and without any compass. And I was plowing just as hard as ever, but, but I was frustrated and I was sort of lost. So what do you think I did? I pivoted. And this time I went this direction. And I quit my job at Salesforce, my very good job at Salesforce, got a new job that I thought was going to be more meaningful. It was leadership development. I was going to travel around the world. And, you know, it was good at first. And I started to struggle in it. And I, I thought, whoa, maybe this wasn't the right direction. What am I doing? And this was much faster, hitting this cliff. It was much faster this time. It only took about a year and a half. I remember I was in a hotel room in the middle of Vienna, Virginia, somewhere on a business trip, lost realizing I had made another mistake, and not only that, but I'd run out of options, and I had no idea what to do about it. And so I said something out loud. I didn't think of God, by the way. I mean, that was not an option. But I said three words that changed everything. In this dark hotel room, I said, I give up. I didn't know who I was saying it to, but I said it, and it felt, home, it felt like a weight off, almost like I had sort of stepped off my own throne. 
I'd let loose. I'd surrendered this life of mine that I was not equipped to lead. And some really weird things started to happen after I said that. The next day, I was reading something, and it had the word God in the middle of it. These three little letters that normally might have offended me, actually, was beautiful. I was just simply drawn to it. It was nothing I could define. Suddenly, that night, I wanted to listen to Christian music. I didn't want anyone to know. I put headphones on. I went to Spotify, and I I searched for the word God, because I didn't know how to find Christian music. But it was really beautiful, and it was just things like that drawing me, drawing very quickly, within days. Suddenly, I thought of this friend of mine, my kid's old karate teacher, who had invited me to church years ago. And I kind of blew him off then, but I thought of him, and I pulled out my phone, and I texted him, and I said, hey, Lee, long time, no chat. Can I go to church with you? And he said, no. No, I'm just kidding. He said, <laughs> He said, yes, come, and it was beautiful, it was like this, and it was like powerful, and I didn't know what was happening, I'd never experienced anything like this, and somebody next to me prayed for me, and said, I was actually crying, I was tearing up the power of the sermon, and and, uh, they prayed for me, and they just said, ask God to be with me, a simple prayer. I was sort of overwhelmed and like, what is going on? Super confused. I, I was flying to Austin, Texas the next day for a business trip. And I was unpacking my things and I got a text. A text that really changed my life. And it was from this karate teacher. And he said, Sue, I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal himself to you today. Whew. I was like, wow. I didn't really know what that meant. (laughs) But I knew that it was beautiful. And that this man took time out of his day to, to text this to me. And if that is you, if that resonates with you at all, that you, you know, should I text this person or should I not do it? Please do it. So he sent this prayer, right? I believe God heard that prayer of revelation, that request for revelation for me. About an hour later, I got a call from my aunt, who I hadn't talked to, who, I, who I'd never talked about God with, and she sounded a little nervous on the phone, and she said, Sue, this is going to sound weird. I really struggled whether I should call you or not, but I'm supposed to call you right now, and I'm supposed to tell you about God. Like, you are kidding me. So that hour, I think God had been, like, compelling her heart to reach out to me. And we talked, and it was beautiful, and I'm crying, and I realized that I was in the presence of God in this call, and that I would have to make a decision by the end of the call. It was only half an hour. I had to decide, do I say, what a cute coincidence, and shelve it? Or do I take a step of faith and be brave and say, God, not a lot of people get a revelation like this, and I'm going to accept it. And at the end of the call, I said, Jean, I believe you. And I hung up, 
And I collapsed to the floor for about three hours crying and repenting, actually. I, thought, I realized there's this God who's been trying to reach me for all these years, and I just pushed him away. It's like, imagine a parent that gives you everything, gives you food, gives you shelter, and you walk away. When you come back, what are you going to say? You're going to say, I'm sorry. And that was my first prayer to God is, I'm sorry. And man, he blessed that. I'm sorry. He blessed it. With, so I, I stumbled into a church a couple days later, and I said a very messy prayer of commitment because God doesn't care, right? I mean, it's just, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I, I think that he, he, I want him to lead me. I don't want to lead anymore, and I want him to, um, I want you to know that I see what he did for me. There's this, this man um, named Benjamin Clark who, during the World Trade Center attack, was on the 96th floor. He was a chef who used to be in the Marines. And when the planes hit, he stayed and he rescued hundreds of people. He got them to the stairwell and he got them down. He even carried a woman in a wheelchair, 20 flights, this man, and he went back up and he died saving all these hundreds of people. And imagine that you were one of those people that he saved. And imagine he got out. What would you say to him? Thank you. Thank you. I see what you just did for me. You saved my life. I see it. So I want you to be my Lord, and I see that you are my Savior. And that was it. God changed my life. Um, Within weeks, I had an offer to come back to Salesforce. I'd begun praying, I'd begun hearing from God about like what I'm supposed to do. I realized I work for God. Oh my gosh. That's my CEO and he's got a plan. He's got a vision statement and a mission and and values and I just get to follow along. I get to work in his kingdom for crying out loud and they've got food and love and family and I, I love every single one of you. Like, don't you? Like, I love you guys. You are family. We are adopted into the most incredible family and it's not just for here it's not just peace on earth it is purpose on earth and it is everlasting life this is not a small deal (laughs) that's who I work for and now I you know I show up every day and I ask for my marching orders and I get them and I and I execute it's so great I you know I don't have to carry the weight of my life anymore I just you know actually he tells us how much we're supposed to carry You know, before I was carrying the entire weight of my life, we still have to carry something, but we only have to carry one day. We still have to move forward, and we have to be bold, and we have to take risks, but only today. What what does he say about tomorrow? Tomorrow will worry for itself. Problems we think we have, he's already fixed them. And I started to read the Bible. And I started to learn about this Jesus person. And this this scripture stuck out to me. And it's from Matthew 11. And I'm going to have us all stand and read this together because this, I believe, is the inspired word of God. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you. You can sit down. Wow, this blew me away. So remember that image I had had of a yoke and pulling my life? I realized in this passage, this was a double yoke. It looked like this. And guess who's next to me? Jesus. But I had to do something first. I had to take off that single yoke, that desire to drive my life and clutch my life and, and control it, I had to physically take it off. I had to surrender. And that, those three words I give up, that was taking off my yoke. And I think, and it, that may apply to some of you today. Maybe you're at that stage now. And I talk to a lot of people at Salesforce that are at that stage of, I think I'm ready to surrender, to stop carrying the weight of my life and plowing in a direction I don't even know where I'm going with utmost force, like a football player running in the wrong direction, right? I'm, I'm ready for that, and that might be you, and we'll have a chance at the end to, to kind of share that. But I had to make that decision. I had to make that decision. And, and so that was kind of step one. The other thing is when I... So God really blessed my steps of faith. I stumbled a lot, but he blessed, he kept blessing them. One of them was um, when I got back to Salesforce. Now, I had been there seven years building up a reputation as a credible leader, okay? And in prayer that morning, my first day back, I knew what I was supposed to do, and I was supposed to stand for Jesus. And, you know, I didn't really want to do that. It was kind of embarrassing. It was kind of hard. But I opened my laptop on day one, and I went on to their, their app chatter, which is like their social network, and I typed this very scary question. Would anybody like to pray with me? And I clicked send. At first, nobody answered, but then one woman named Amanda responded, and she said, I would love to pray with you. And we met in this big empty conference room with glass walls. Everybody could see in, but it kind of didn't matter, and we prayed. And in that moment... God broke through. And I realized I could have both. I could have my job and I could have God at work. And that he was actually, this was by him and for him and all the pieces of it. And, and you know, that group of two turned into four and then six and then 20 and then 80. We are now almost 400 with... With groups all over the world, uh, in, from Mexico to Brazil to London, we meet four times a week for prayer. And we meet and we gather and we, we lift each other up and we encourage each other. And then at the same time, we realized that people of all faiths were kind of struggling in the workplace, trying to find balance. And so we got together with a different group called Faith Force. And we lifted up just faith as an aspect of diversity. And that group really took off. We, we meet for celebrations and education, and, and it's super fun, and, and we do uh, volunteering. That grew to 1,600 in just over a year across five continents. It is the fastest growing employee resource group in Salesforce history. There was a pent-up demand, and that, 
That is the environment that we are in here at, in the Bay Area. God has been watering it for a long time. You might feel kind of alone sometimes in your workplaces, but God has watered it. He's ready. He's actually ready for us to stand up for him and, and not in any kind of pushy way, but, but really to take steps of faith as well. So I think about my process of um, finding Jesus and incorporating that into my life and how I live it. I mean, that first step really was surrender. So that might be your first step. And then if you remember, um, before I finished that call with Jean, I had to say out loud, I believe you. At some point, we have to decide, do we believe this? We may instinctively believe there's this God out there. Well, let's think about Jesus. And, you know, he, he really did live, this guy named Jesus. He really did live on earth here. And nobody disputes that. And you know what? He really did die on Calvary. And almost nobody disputes that. And he really did call himself the Son of God. Now, he's either crazy, lying, or telling the truth. You can say he's a good guy. I like him. But that's not what he said. He said, I'm the son of God. Follow me into eternity. And we have to decide, do we believe him or not? We can put him on the shelf and call him a good guy. And that's okay. He's going to bless. He's going to make our life good. He's going to turn bad into good because he's so gracious. He does that anyway. But we will miss out on all this blessing. We will miss out on our purpose that he has planned for us, and we will miss out on eternity. You know, C.S. Lewis, remember him? Who knows what C.S. Lewis wrote? What is it? Yeah. Screwtape Letters, all these Christian books, Narnia, I mean, really incredible theologian, and he said, whatever you do, God will make good of it but not the good he had prepared for you if you had obeyed him. What if Jean didn't call me? She obeyed in that moment. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe God's asking you to take a big step of faith and reach out to somebody. God has a plan for us. He has a, a plan that he has prepared for us, but we have to accept it. We have to surrender our need to be god in our life. That was the one thing he said we can't do. Remember in the Garden of Eden? You can have my kingdom. Have it all. But I am God, he said. Just don't eat of this fruit. And we said, but I kind of want to be God too. And it launched all of this that we deal with today. So we have to decide, do we believe him? Yes. And if you're at that stage, congratulations. So I believe in God. I don't quite get it. I don't really get it all, but I believe that he did this. And if we go to, I have this list of kind of what I, the process I went through when I was converting. Um, and that first step was I give up. And the next step was I believe. When I said to Jean, I believe, that might be you. The next one was I'm sorry. We also have to repent. We have to, you know, realize that, you know what? I've done some stuff. I might be doing stuff right now, but it, at minimum, I've walked away from you. I've taken the gift of life that you gave me, and I ignored it, and I pretended that I had 
made my life, and I was in a tower, and this was my doing. So there is something that we have to say sorry for, um, and that might be the stage that you're at. After that, I see, I see that you did die. Something happened three days after Jesus died. Remember what happened? His, you know, when he died, his apostles, who had seen his miracles firsthand, what did they do? They went into hiding. They were scared for their lives. They were terrified. And when three days later, something happened that changed that. Something happened where these people decided, I am not only going to stand for this man, I'm going to give my life, I'm going to devote the rest of my life to telling the entire world what I saw. You don't do that for a lie. You do not do that for a lie. You don't risk your life for a lie. Something happened the size of a resurrection that nothing else can explain. And we have a chance to believe that or not. It is not illogical to believe it. It may be not to. So we have to decide. I see that that happened, that he rose again, and that proved that, that he truly is who he says he is, and that changes everything. After that, I follow. Okay, so after you make a decision to follow Jesus, to be a Christian, um, and by the way, it can happen like that. It can happen today, here. You can just simply say, you know what? I'm ready. I think you brought me here for a reason. I think it's a miracle that you're all here. I think God called you all here, in these seats, in this moment, and I, I pray that this is speaking to you. You can make a decision just like that. Remember the criminal on the cross? What did he say? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's acknowledging Jesus is who he says he is. And Jesus says, I will see you there. Just like that. And you know what? You could shelve this, this day. You could shelve this and say, I'm not quite ready. I'm just going to postpone, you know. It's, it's kind of uncomfortable and, you know, what will people think of me? And uh, you can do that. But there may never be a time like right now. There may never be this moment in your life again. And we can't predict the future. So that is a very important step is to say, you know, I, I'm going to, after I convert, which can be like that, I am going to follow Jesus. I'm going to plug in and read the Bible and, and pray and learn and, and I'm going to live this life in this incredible kingdom and, and, and serve God. And many of you are probably doing that and doing that really well. So I want you to think back to that challenge that I asked you to think about, that thing that's stressing you out. So if you are new to all of this, and this is kind of maybe overwhelming, just this could be your chance. This could be your chance to make a decision and stand for Jesus. If you are, have been a Christian a long time and you're exploring or maybe you've wandered away, this can be a chance for you too to recommit that this didn't happen on accident. And, and if you just want to learn more information, you can do that too. But I recommend not postponing. I think God has a lot planned for us. One other quote I like of C.S. Lewis is, um, there are two groups of people in the world. Those who say to God, thy will be done. 
and those to whom God says, thy will be done. It's one option or the other. You can go your own way and he will let you. Like my son said, you keep doing it, so I'm letting you. Or we can take this opportunity and take a stand for Jesus. I want to just show you what it looks like to lean on Jesus. Remember I said you can either lead your life or you can lean on Jesus. And that that passage in Matthew, he says, um, take my yoke upon you. And something happens when you're yoked with someone. Can I have you up here, Pastor Herman? This is what it looks like to be yoked with someone. Okay, so Pastor Herman is a little taller than I am, right? So if we had a yoke around, a double yoke, who would be carrying the weight of that? So who's, who does Pastor Herman represent here? Jesus. Oh, aren't you lucky? Aren't you lucky? <laughs> so if we're walking, now I could drag him and, and he will let me. I can drag him, right? I can drag Jesus all over my life and he will let me go wherever I want. Or I could fold under his wings. He calls it wings. Under my feathers you will find peace. I could fold under him and I could let him lead and take the weight Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. So, <clears throat> this is what that looks like in a moment, like at work. So, a couple weeks ago, I had a, a difficult interaction with somebody at work, and I got sort of this snippy text. And I was on BART, going home from work, and I got this snippy text. And I thought, well, it triggered me. And immediately, I wanted to sort of fight back. And I thought, no, I'm going to be the bigger person. I'm going to write a nice little email saying I care about you and we'll work it out. And I'm sorry for my part, thinking this person would say I'm sorry too and let's work it out. You can tell where this is going, can't you? So I got a response and it said, I accept your apology. And I was so mad. Like, I didn't really apologize. And And I started to text a reply justifying my stance. And I remembered, oh, Jesus is here. Oh, yeah. He's right here. He's on BART, for crying out loud. And he has already fixed this. He's already resolved it. And all I I have to do something. I have to put my phone away and trust him that he has resolved it. And of course he did, right? The next week, a meeting happened. It's all good. She gave me a hug. I mean... What if I had sent that text? We'd still be dealing with it, right? So that's what it looks like to trust in Jesus and lean on him. And I, I encourage us all to be leaners, not leaders. So whether you're a believer or exploring, think of how you can let go of control of your life.